episode 256 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is your Sunday edition, and I am Paul Spore. Joined, as always, on Sundays by Jason Collette. Jason, how are you doing today? Uh, getting ready to go on another road trip. Yay, me. Jeez, man. You are uh, you travel more than, than, than a baseball team in summer. That, that's not a very good yeah, I'm analogy. I'm going to Michigan. I'm going to Michigan, going to Grand Rapids. I'm only there for a day. Don't even get to enjoy any baseball. Better now than in the winter, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Michigan does not have bad summer weather. I can definitely deal with it, but uh, not in the winter. No thanks. Anyway, uh, we're coming. We're coming a little early on Sunday today to to accommodate our schedules. So we're kind of in the middle of games here. We're gonna dive right in. Um, Jason, I'll tell you what. The big news on Sunday morning, early afternoon, which is where we are right now, is, is surrounding this this uh, rumored Johnny Cueto deal. And I'll tell you what. I'm not surprised. So let me back up quickly. Last night we learned that the de- a deal fell through for Cueto for KC when uh, somebody's medicals didn't check out. That could be any number of guys, really. There was some speculation, maybe like a Kyle Zimmer. Hell, it could be Shot the Manaya. Yeah, Manaya could definitely be. Uh, hell, it could be the guy who's who's the only one that's been rumored so far, uh, John Lamb. You know, he's 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 been in a lot of injury issues. So who knows what that is. Honestly, once that happened, I, I didn't think that was the end of it. I'm like, you know what? Then maybe they'll just rework it. So we wake up this morning, and we hear Ken Rosenthal reporting that that it's going to happen. However, ever since he reported that, we haven't been getting anything to confirm it. And, in fact, it's all been kind of pushed away. So it's it's still in the works. I think it will go through, uh, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be totally blown away if it somehow fell through. Let's just speculate a little bit on what you think could be going back the other way. It's, it's really tough when we've got nothing to go off of. But what do you think Johnny Cueto is going to bring back to the Reds in a deal with KC? I, you would think pitching. KC's got it. Uh, you, know, when you would look at they gave up a guy like Ben Lively to get Marlon Bird, and that's a guy that actually could have worked out rather well for them probably next year at some point. Yeah. So you would think a, a guy like Lambers, you know, that makes sense. He's a triple-A He's having a good year for and for Triple A. I'd be it's his third straight year there, but he's having a good year. Uh, so that, that that kind of thing seems to make sense. When when Rosenthal reports something, you got to figure it's as good as done. I mean, exactly. there have been the tweets from uh, the Reds group uh, out of uh, Brian Price saying nothing's happening. There's a quote here from Josh Vernier at Six Ten Radio and Casey Dayton Moore told Ryan Lefevre, uh, "Not a lot of truth to it at this point." So again. Rosenthal's got a rock solid reputation, and this isn't the fake Ken Rosenthal account that usually no. comes up this time of year. It was the real. So one. I, I, yeah, I would be. To me, this just seems something like medicals, and exactly. they're just waiting for it to clear. I think it's just details, and everyone involved is protecting themselves. Uh, Cueto and Lamb haven't been informed because it's not a hundred percent done. I think we'll see it get done. You know, John Lamb was a one-time blue-chip prospect, ranking as high as 11th at Baseball Prospectus, 18th at Baseball America. Now, this is back in 2011. So it's a long time ago, but he's only 24, too. So, you know, you kind of you kind of weigh the two things. He used to be a big prospect, kind of sputtered a little bit, but now just 24 and having a good year. That could be a nice piece. I doubt he'd be the centerpiece. Brandon Finnegan's a name that's been thrown around. He'd be a very interesting piece for them as well, although a lot of folks are pointing out uh, comically that he, he would just become the next – uh, following the the Aroldis Chapman Tony Singrani yes. line of starter relievers, what do we do with them kind of guys? Um, yes. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I wish we had more. You know, we tried to hold off a little bit, uh, hoping that we would get the final details. Obviously, if you're in an AL only, it's all over your fab, right? I mean, if you need, if you have any need for pitching, not even a severe need, 
it's all your fab, right? Exactly. I don't care what you have a need for. You you spend all of it. If you're the high money person and you need hitting and Cueto came around, you buy Cueto and you trade for the hitter. You Bingo. Bingo, because he'll he'll bring you back a premium hitter for the second place bid or somebody else um, out there who who wanted he's him. He's now going to pitch. Yo, know, once this trade becomes official, he's going to be pitching for the team that is tops in baseball and defensive run saves, tops in baseball and ultimate zone rating. Oh my God! That pitcher with that defense could be disgusting. The rest. Of the how, how is that even going to be fair? I mean, this is a guy who doesn't allow hits as it is on, on balls in play, uh, rocking a 236, 238, 234 BABIP the last three years. Those are, those are his three totals already, and now he's got uh, you know this defense behind him. It could be filthy for Cueto, so, so we'll wait to see on that. Um, another big rumor kind of going out right now, I've seen that Rangers are reportedly in the lead on, on Cole Hamels. Nothing you know firm there either, but that's pretty interesting. Obviously, Hamels is coming off of the no-hitter yesterday. I, oh, and his value's gone way up since then. God, shoot me in the face. I, I, I hate that. And obviously, I know you're, you're being tongue-in-cheek. Uh, some folks probably believe that. It's not true. The the poor games before this one did not hamper his value, um, and, and, and the no-hitter doesn't raise it. It, it. He's a stud, and everyone trying to trade for him knows that. Same with Cueto. He had a couple dings and then went, went out and dominated in Coors. Now, the only thing with Cueto was that there was some maybe rumors uh, of injury there when he was struggling. And if that was the case, okay, that changes it. But there was nothing like that with Hamels. He just had a couple tough games. This is probably getting annoying for him. So maybe that was part of it, and and guys are human. So I, I didn't I didn't sweat that at all with him. Obviously, uh, Hamels and Cueto, their value is sky high right now. The no no was great. What do you think of the Rangers being the ones here? Obviously, this is more of a play for the future because they've kind of fallen back, but they're still only two games under, uh, which means they're they're in, they're in uh, in striking distance. But I think Hamels works better for a team like Texas because then they would pair him with like a U Darvish next year. And all of a sudden you're talking about a pretty dynamic one too. There, there's the point. This is a, this is the trade for the future. If the Rangers do it. And if it's gotta be more than the Jorge Alfaro that's being mentioned, I'm sorry. No, no, no. But when you look at, when you look at Cole Hamill's contract, he's due, he's guaranteed. Uh, let's see. We've got 23 and a half each of the next three seasons, plus a $20 million vesting option, uh, a 20 million team option, 24 vesting option with a 6 million buyout. According to baseball reference, there's nothing in that contract that's prohibitive from just about any team investing in them, any team mid-market and above. Let's put it that way because we know the other ones are going to be cheapskates. Absolutely. For me, for me, this is the trade I think the Dodgers should be making to protect themselves in case Granky opts out and ask for an insane amount of cash and they walk away from it. Great call. I, I can... This is this is easier to, to swallow because what you're going to pay Hamels over the next four years is probably going to pale a little bit in comparison to what Granky's going to get in the next four years if he opts out. If he opts out, you do sign him, but you have Kershaw, Hamels, and Granky. Oh my God! And then what if, what what if what's the downside to this? What if Yunjin Ryu comes back healthy and and strong as your number four from the left side? I mean, come on! Then you're going lefty, righty, lefty, righty too. I mean, it's, it's set up so nicely, and you know they'd probably go out and get a, a very capable fifth starter. He would be a fifth starter in in name only. Uh, he would likely be some some high quality guy for for 2016. So yeah, that would be scary for the rest of the league if the Dodgers were in on Hamels. We'll see how that goes, obviously. The only thing I do have to say about this, I mean, there's no downside to this. Obviously, he should, if that kind of thing happens, you figure he may be able to double his win total of six by the rest of the season. 
My only concern is that he threw 129 pitches yesterday. Yeah. That's a lot of pitches. I know that Joe Sheehan covered it in his newsletter today. I'm not going to reveal what he did to, to bust on Joe's uh, subscription base, but you need to go get Joe's news, newsletter. But he talked about it a little bit. That's 129 pitches. If you were one of the ones that were saying, I can't believe that Johan Santana threw 133 in his no-hitter, well, you, four fewer pitches shouldn't uh, take you out of that. Uh, that thing. So that's my only concern about his next start. I just don't think his next start could be for Philly. If it is, man, I don't know what else to tell you about um, um, Ruben Amaro Jr. A side unrelated note, Will Myers reporting discomfort in left wrist after light swings will head back to the doctor. So if you were counting on Will Myers to come back anytime soon, stop counting on it. Yikes. That, that, that's, that's no good. Uh, could any, could things go any worse for the Padres this year? I mean, literally they're getting the worst case scenario of just about everything that happened. You'd think at least something would have broken right for them. Jeez. It's it. That's rough. Uh, so, I hear it's so bad. AJ Preller's hair even has lice in it now. It's <laughs> awful. Are you being serious? <laughs> that would be terrible to get lice as an adult. Uh, I mean, it's probably terrible as a kid, too. Thankfully, I've never had lice. Let's talk about uh, more trade stuff here, of course. The Mets went out and did what I thought was a great move. It's a small move. It's not going to you know, uh, be uh, on the Richter scale too high for, for fantasy especially. But they go out and get Kelly Johnson and Juan Uribe for a couple of uh, mid-level at best prospects. And they might not be done. For me, I was looking, and we've known that they've needed hitters you know, all year. And, and this is exactly the kind of move I was wondering if they could get done because I thought they needed multiple moves. And if you start getting multiple league average-ish guys and replacing these slugs that you have, that can be a pretty substantial impact. So to get a Kelly Johnson and Juan Uribe both hitting pretty well for the Braves uh, to fill in, plus both guys can play different spots too, so you can kind of move them around. Neither's uh, – well, Juan Uribe is pretty good at third defensively, I believe. But Kelly Johnson – probably plays those four or five positions because he can't play any one of them very well. But they're in for the bats. And, of course, they made a huge impact in that massive drubbing. What was it, 15-2 to two yesterday? Uh, throw in Conforto, who they just called up. And I think that the they got like eight hits from those three just yesterday. What did you think of that deal with Johnson and Uribe for the Mets? Love it. I mean, this is exactly what they need when they had the Clayton Kershaw game where we were all on perfect game watch from pitch one. <laughs> you know, they had John Mary Bay. John Mayberry Jr. hitting cleanup in that game. Oh, my God. He was just DFA'd for, to make room for this trade. That's kind of what puts you – that's the kind of thing that has to uh, – that's, that's in play. So I like the move for them. If I'm in an NL-only league, I pick them both up immediately because they're going to get playing time. Absolutely. I don't care. It's just, it's just counting stats. I can't tell you how many times we've talked about this. This is all just counting stats at this point, and that's why I'm picking them up. Definitely, definitely. And, uh, you know, Kelly Johnson – got a special place in my heart for him he's been a dfs master for me not not just this year uh actually more so last year was when it really uh took off for me and i got some big games so i've, I've always liked kelly johnson he's always good for a couple bombs here and there too so if you need some pop you might look to him and you might even look to him in, in some in some deeper mixes because I, I think that that pop and some of his positional flexibility could help you so i, I like that move for them as i mentioned with the mets though they're not done. They're, they're rumored in on, on just about everybody else, too, in terms of a bat. I've been seeing speculation about Jay Bruce, Ioannis Cespedes. Very preliminary rumors. Don't know what it would take to get them. But what do you think of either of those two, Bruce or Cespedes, to the Mets as well? Uh, I think Cespedes would be a better fit. Uh, he'd have the defense and, of course, uh, the punch. Although, 
you know, I don't think Bruce is a is a poor defender. Doesn't he have at least a decent arm? Um, and he's, Can you take Bruce and Granderson in the same lineup along with Duda? That's a lot of left-handed pop with a lot of swing and miss. That's a great point. That That's a tremendous point. I, I agree with you uh, that in that – based on that specifically, Cespedes is a better fit. I also think Cespedes is a better player. So even if we were just talking get the best possible, I think it would be Cespedes. But uh, that's a great point with the lefty swing and miss there. So, yeah, they should really be focused in on Cespedes if he's available uh, from my beloved Tigers. Anthony Rendon returned for the for the Washington Nationals yesterday. I think he was in the lineup yesterday and he's already going to get a day off today. Obviously, they're going to play it a little bit cautiously with him. Thankfully, the Yunel Escobar check swing that looked like his wrist shattered uh, hasn't turned out to be anything major. So The movement on that pitch was disgusting. It, it was so filthy. Uh, it, and it looked so bad, and and Eno speculated that it might have been a hammock bone, which you know wouldn't have been surprising. Thankfully, again, he missed a couple games. He's back. He had a huge game yesterday, three for five, a couple doubles, a uh, couple runs scored. So the Rendon, obviously they still need and want Rendon, but it would have been you know, so massive to get him back if Escobar had gone out, given what Escobar has given them. What What are your expectations for Anthony Rendon for the rest of the year? Just play, baby. That's all I'm asking please, for at this point. Please, just, just play. play. Oh my God! You know I can finally take him out of the like nine DL spots that I have him. I I got so much Anthony Rendon stock this year, and obviously, it has not worked, Jason. It has not freaking work of course that was the that was the risk that was the risk that we we're taking this guy can can rake there's really no question about Rendon's ability to play baseball uh, it's a matter of his body holding up so unfortunately it hasn't this year let's see if he can at least stick on for the last two plus months here Jason, we got a great matchup going on today with Zach Greinke and Jacob Degrom, and uh, we already know that Degrom, or excuse me, Greinke's scoreless streaks broken up. Ooh. It was a error by by Jock Peterson, um, I believe that set it up on, on a bobble, got the guy to third with no outs, and you know he had Greinke was battling against Degrom, looked like he might get the strikeout. Degrom hit it to first, and Gonzalez came home. You know, trying to preserve the streak there more so than than really trying to stifle that run. And I'm actually okay with it because I think in, in most situations when you don't have a what 46 inning uh, scoreless streak, that he he turns to second and tries to set up the double play there and gives up the run. But I was okay with him trying to throw home just a little too late. Kirk Newenheis slid in very easily safe. Um, I want to focus on the other guy though. We know Grinky's just out of his mind. He's getting the attention that he deserves, especially in light of Molly Knight's book that that illuminates just how cool. Zach Greinke is as well, just kind of a, a really good dude. Let's talk about DeGrom, though. This dude, out of his mind as well. Four innings so far today, one hit, four strikeouts, just continues to absolutely dominate. So for you, Jacob DeGrom is a top what pitcher? What number? Eight. Okay. I mean, let me, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now to see where we put him on the, uh, on the Rotographs ranks here. So I can compare that against your eight spot there. Oh, we match. That's weird. Hell yeah, I didn't even look at that. Yeah, there you go. I wasn't 100 I'm just mad at myself. I mean, understand that both DeGrom and Kluber pitched at DeLand, Florida, in college for Stetson University. And when I was living in Florida, and I never saw either of them pitch collegially, and I only have myself to blame for that. It's a bummer, isn't it? It, it truly is. Uh, it just It's filthy what he's been able to do. And, you know, you just hope it just holds up with the health-wise. Just keep riding it. Exactly, and that's really the only concern here. This talent, 
uh, is unimpeachable. I don't think there's anything where you have to be waiting for a shoe to drop, drop with DeGrom. If you didn't trust him last year, I mean, you should have. Uh, I, I can say that without without hindsight here, because in the SP guide, I rated him as the top Mets pitcher, even ahead of Matt Harvey. So I, I can say that um, w- without just saying, you know, I told you so now that he's got you know, 125 innings of a 211 ERA. But DeGrom has been absolutely fantastic. So we match on that number eight there, and it's pretty pretty much in lockstep with the rest of the rankers. Uh, Jeff Zimmerman had him seventh, Zach Sanders ninth, Dan Schwartz had him tenth. So, you know, all of us are saying top ten. It's really not much different between Jeff's seven and Dan's ten. So uh, the the composite ranking was also number eight for him as well, and just behind, you guessed it, Corey Kluber. So that's very interesting. <laughs> I love Degrom, and I think that you know he, he's inching his way up too. He's at eight with a bullet right now. It's absolutely ridiculous how well he's pitching. I've been really really impressed with him. Uh, Jason, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, about your Rays. I know I'm sorry. I'm not gonna again. I think, you, I think he was pitching the last time we spoke, too. I thought we were friends. I'm I not, not going to make you talk about Matt Moore. Yeah, we recorded on – God damn it. We recorded on Monday, and so he was definitely pitching, and I, I told you the same thing. I won't make you talk about him. That's not who I want to talk about. He's terrible. I do. Why? What do you, because there's no reason for him to be in the major leagues right now. That, None. That, that's that's – True at this point. That's really true. He's and averaging two base runners an inning, can't come, can't throw strikes, and they keep rolling his ass out there every day, and they want us to believe that they're that they're in contention for the playoffs. He's given them about two competitive innings since coming back, and you'll see some kind of factoid I saw earlier. Hey, this is the first time in, in his career that he's had five consecutive starts for allowing three or more earned runs. I'm like, I'm surprised it's only been that many just because he, he can't – you watch a pitch, it's awful. It, it, it's just not good right now, and we 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 said no from the jump on on him yep. on Matt Moore. Just just couldn't do it this year. Uh, we we repe- we repeatedly said command and control is the last thing to come, and he didn't have any, et cetera, et cetera. Who I really wanted to talk about was Erasmo Ramirez. He was in the midst of a solid start yesterday, and then I believe you <sighs> said he threw about the worst pitch ever. You were very displeased with his one big mistake. It was a uh, I, I think he missed a close pitch on Chris Davis, the pitch There's before. Two close pitches before that, two of them. Were either of them strikes in your estimation, or were they just very close? No, no, okay. they were good pitches. They were com- they were very competitive pitches. Um, they had to get up. They had to get up to the top. Uh, you know, they're trying to get him to chase up. They were competitive pitches, and then the catcher set up low and in. They, so they had the eye level change. He had everything changed for him, and he threw it belt high over the outer part of the plate. Oh, that's not going to work against Chris Davis, even when he's hitting 242. I mean, no. And so he he pops a grand slam there, and that was pretty much all she wrote. Uh, Tampa Bay only scored one anyway, but uh, you know. I look at something like that, and, and that, that's just one of the many instances where the box score alone is not going to tell you everything. You know, one mistake pitch, yeah, it's, it's huge damage, and you got to eat it, but it's not indicative of, uh, you know, because I usually say five earned runs is a bad, bad, it's a dud outing. It doesn't really matter. It's a dud because of the ERA that is associated with it, even if you were to finish all nine innings. But within that, you still have to look into some of these games and see, okay, what really happened here? And with with Ramirez, we see that a one big mistake really cost you. What surprises me, Jason, is just three strikeouts despite 12 swinging strikes. I mean, he's really been up in that like 12 to 15 percent swinging strike rate for Erasmo Ramirez since joining the rotation. I mean, he is 
even with the ERA being a little bit elevated at 374, he's really panning out on on the the uh, upside that you said he had and and very much beat the drum on all the way back in 2013. So it looks like he's been you know, not going for the strikeout, and that's kind of what's hurt him. The Rays have been very deliberate about not letting him pitch a third time through the lineup. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways to avoid getting ganked early is to stop chasing strikeouts and pitching the contact. So he throws his change up, and he's using it more than just when I'm ahead. He'll use it in different points of the count. Uh, and it seems like he's on a 75 to 80 to 85 pitch count limit uh, only because of they don't want him to go through. It's something that they, they were doing with Archer early, Odorizzi, Carnes. Still doing it with Carnes, uh, yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing. So that works out. And, you know, it is, he's definitely got value and he's under team control. So he's definitely going to be in the rotation next year. But you look at how the rotation shaking out, he should be stay right in the rotation next year as well. As a because five. he's under team control. He's a, that's what he is. He's a four or five. And he's Pretty under great. team control. And it's, again, they traded Montgomery for him, whose smoke and mirrors are starting to bust up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, everybody at first is like, oh my God, how do you do that trade? Well, it's kind of worked out. That- yeah, even when I when Mike Montgomery was pitching well and I and I was saying, hey, there there might be a little something here. I never said, how can you do that trade? That was a total your broken prospect for our broken prospect, and let's see who can make it work. And both are kind of making it work. So it, you know, classic change of scenery. Uh, rest of the season, Erasmo or Carnes? Hmm, Carnes on the case. Okay. Uh, again, counting kind of stressing counting categories. I need strikeouts. Okay, I, I have a Rasmo ahead. Let me see how much. Oh, uh, not much at all. Never mind. They're fifty-seven, fifty-eight for me. Uh, they, they are pretty split in terms of the actual uh, composite rankings when you add in the other guys. Um, Sixty-two for Carnes and eighty for Rasmo. I think. I think Dan maybe mentioned something that uh, he missed Erasmo because he didn't even rank him, and I think that I think that that was an accident as opposed to something he did on purpose, and that would greatly change it. But I still think that the consensus was leaning Carnes. Like I said, it's a coin flip for me. I really like both of those guys. Um, who's getting ripped today? You guys uh, down five to one again? Five nothing? Yes. Who's that? Uh, oh, Matt Moore. Yeah, we just talked about him. Sorry, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Just, we just talked about him. Jeez. Uh, okay, I want to talk a little bit about some stuff from yesterday, from Saturday's games. Um, this one really pissed me off because I just I feel like Carlos Carrasco. You know, at some point, you 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 can't just look at the at the FIPS and the XFIPS and the Sierras and all the second levels and say it's going to happen. There's something going on here where, you know, his skills are great. They're fantastic. Carlos Carrasco is putting up the same same skills that he put up last year uh, that had folks so excited about him this year. And he's shown glimpses of that excellence, but he can't sustain it. I don't know if you caught any of this game. He got drilled for six runs in four innings against the freaking White Sox. Carlos Sanchez hit a home run, his first of the year, of course. Um, what's going on with Carlos Carrasco? Oh, man, I don't know what's going on with it. It's just so frustrating because when you watch the guy pitch, that that stuff should never happen. The way he pounds the ground mm-hmm. with all the ground balls, none of this, especially Carlos Sanchez. If he's the, he may be the worst hitter this side of Rene Rivera. He that, that that's why I was like, are you serious? You're giving up a bomb to him? Two forty eight, or excuse me, two ten, two forty eight, two eighty two. That's Carlos Sanchez's triple slash after that homer yesterday. Give me a break, and I know it's like a one off. Uh, it's not the end of the world when some scrubbini hits a home run off of it. The problem a, is Carrasco's allowed 12 bombs now this year. That's that's more many. than he's allowed over the previous two seasons combined. Yeah, you you, you can't. I just 
I'm really confused on him, but I think it kind of goes back to some of the problems that he dealt with coming up and why it took so long for him to fully bloom the way he did last year is because, you know, there, there's inconsistencies with Carrasco. I love the talent. I think I would even still buy for the rest of this year, as crazy as that sounds on the heels of this ugly outing. But there, there's one, there, there's just one thing that's missing for it to click and stay clicking, and I don't really know what it is right now. It's, it's very frustrating, though, especially in the leagues where I already have him. But overall, overall, fewer hits than innings pitched, more strikeouts than innings pitched, a, very, you know, a lot of strikeouts, few walks. It's just the home runs. And that could come back to being a home run to fly ball thing for him. If that could normalize back to his career rates, then he's good. Right now, it's got to be – this would be something to watch video to say, okay, what is he doing differently with men on base? Because he's got these home runs. When you look at 56 earned runs like this in a 426, these earned runs are coming with dudes on base. So yep. a video study would be to watch what he's doing differently out of the stretch than what he's doing out of the windup. You know, and, and, and you mentioned the home run piece with him. And it's not an exorbitant rate at .9, but they're very damaging home runs. And this is why I, I worry about home run guys like his teammate Danny Salazar because um, home runs are the quickest way to implode an ERA. You have a couple bad home run games where you're giving up six, seven earned runs, and it and it really puts a bigger dent on your ERA than maybe you're actually pitching. And that's why we see the 426 ERA and 289 FIP disparity for somebody like Carrasco. Jason, we had a 23rd round pick in in labor mix, and I believe it was a waste. waste. It was a waste of a pick, dude. Do you remember who we got? I think it was it was garbage. I think we already cut the guy. But do you even remember who we got with the 23rd pick? In a 15-team mixed league, I think it was uh, uh, Aaron Aaron Ronson or something. Alex uh, Sean Rodriguez. Sean Rodriguez. Oh, that's wait, who it was. Not Sean Rodriguez. That would have been a wasted. Pick. No, no, we had to take a chance on Sean Rodriguez. He qualifies everywhere, bro. No, it was Alex Rodriguez, and uh, we were blasted for the pick. Uh, it, it was blasted. it was termed a waste of a pick. First off, I don't know why anyone wanted to spend that much time talking about a 23rd round pick um, because. All 23rd round picks are, are gambles. You can't really waste one. And we could have taken him in the 24th round. We only took him because uh, we had taken Trevor uh, Plouffe in the 24th round because he was still there. We passed up on the 23rd. Yeah, we yeah we kept just waiting, and all these third basemen kept lasting. We're like, we don't want 93rd basemen, but hey, we got to take a shot here. Um, and we, and here's what we thought: we thought 18 to 20 homers with a 245 average. We'll take it. How about 23 homers so far, so far, with a 277 average for A-Rod, a 375 OBP, and a 539 slug? The dude's out of his mind. A three-homer game yesterday, two of them off Malone, one off Perk. I mean, he gets a lefty feast. That's nice for him. A-Rod's out of his mind. I have to ask the question. Do you think he's juicing? He turns 40 today. Happy birthday, A-Rod. Happy birthday, A-Rod. I love you, bud. I love you. I always I always did love A-Rod, though. I really I really did. And um, that was the one that uh, that kind of crushed me in terms of, you know, finding out that he he was, you know, cheating out of his mind. I was like, God dang it. That, that's such a bummer. And yet uh, I'm right back on the train this year. He served his time. I, I don't I don't. Uh, have to hold this grudge here. He served his time. He's playing. He's dominating, and I like it. Uh, he, he's very, he's very clearly having a great time with it as well. He and Mark Teixeira, um, man, you know we could see this team in the playoffs 
very easily, and I think that they could be they could be a threat. Obviously, they're going to have to get a pitcher. Uh, you know, they're 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 in on a lot of these pitchers that are being rumored. Who do you think is a good fit for them? I'll, Outside of the top guys, obviously we know those are good fits. I don't know that they're going to go out and try to get a Cueto if he isn't dealt. Hamels, uh, David Price, if the Tigers make him available. I think they're going to be looking in that in that next t- tier or two. What do you think is a good fit for the Yankees to fill their pitching uh, spots here? Because they're running a little light pitching-wise behind Tanaka. Hamels. You, you say just go just go big anyway because you have them for next year. Hamels, you got him for you got him for the next couple Several years. years. You got him in that you have him in the ballpark that's made for left-handed pitchers. Go get Hamels. I do not think Price will sign there, even if they throw a ton of money at him. Personally, I don't think he'll sign there. He's just you know he likes having fun, and he's already stressed. He's stressed about the the level of he wants to have the fun clubhouse, the pressure kind of thing. When we saw him getting a beef with the Detroit writer this weekend, it was all the writer's fault. Uh, wait, wait, going wait. back and looking at the story, that was a rather stupid story. But no, no, uh, what happened? The, I, m- I missed that. Tell oh, me about Lynn that. Henning. Lynn Henning made some tweet calling oh, Price unprofessional. Geez. He didn't hand the ball off to Brad Ausmus. Turned out he didn't even have the ball. Oh. It was an infield throw around. The ball was still in the infielder's hands, and they never came with the Price. So they thought he was Henning thought that he just walked off with the ball in his glove. Yeah, Price Price went off on him. Uh, is that your? And then later the guy apologized. He goes, "Oh, I'm sorry, it's misunderstanding." Is that your phone getting tweets? I mean, getting texts? No. We're, we're, I'm hearing something. I don't know what I'm hearing. So last podcast, Eno's uh, iPhone and M- MacBook are synced. And apparently once <laughs> the phone is in a certain range, the texts will then go through the computer on iMessage or whatever. And so we're getting this dinging, ding, ding, ding. And I asked him, I said, you know, is that on me or on you? And he's like, oh, it's on mine or whatever. I took that part out of the podcast, and okay. Dana said leave it in, like leave in the conversation because now every comment about that pod is, do you all hear that dinging? Is that dinging me? So I should have just left it in. So since I heard a couple text noise noises, I figured I would address it for those that are Oh, I had something a little earlier ago. Somebody was G-chatting me, and I think my phone was uh, on audio. So okay. well, that, my fault. It, it, been it. it ain't the end of the world. But besides – Yours is kind of in the background. This dinging was like in Eno's computer, so it was pretty dang loud. Um, so don't don't even sweat it. I just I had to address it in case we got more messages about about beeps and dings. It happens, folks. It happens. Every once in a while, I forget to turn off my phone too, and then some call will come through, and I'm like, oh crap, forgot. Anyway, let's keep talking about guys here. Um, we're, we're just kind of moving along. Who's somebody standing out to you recently that you've been watching this weekend that you want to talk about? A non-star level player. Hmm. Non-star level player that stood out that I've watched. I, I got to be honest. I did a road trip yesterday with the kids. Didn't watch a lot of baseball. I did watch some of the uh, the Astros game, the Dude, Astros Royals, the late part of that game. That game, by the way, I thought that was going to be like stack city there for DFS Duffy against Feldman, and of course they both dominated. Yeah, and then the game ended on a. Perfect. I mean, they had – you should have seen the defensive shift on this. Cole Hamels was like playing uh, – not Cole Hamels. Uh, Colby Rasmus, close, right? Close. Uh, was, playing, was playing a very, very deep second base. He was so far in oh, in wow. right field. It, he was almost a second. It looked ridiculous. And they had – it was uh, Omar Fonte uh, or Alcides Escobar, somebody. Somebody who has no oppo power. They were like, you know what? We're bringing them all the way in. And Harris throws a great pitch in on the fist, 
bust them, and that sucker still found grass and scored the winning run because Paulo Orlando was off on contact. Yeah. He was like, screw it, I'm gone. <laughs> he, he saw it, he's like, you know what, if I get thrown out, I get thrown out. Yeah, Because so, I believe it was still only just one out, too, so he was gone on contact. And uh, it, it somehow found the grass. Was, and the thing is, they could have, there was, uh, I think leadoff runner got on or one out. What happened? How Orlando got on base and he singled up the middle, right? And then the next guy hit a line drive to right field that Rasmus caught. If Rasmus would have had better footwork, he could have zipped a bullet to first base and thrown him out. Instead, he threw it off his uh, front foot, like he threw it off his left foot, throwing left-handed in and still barely got him. If he would have taken the moment to set his foot and throw a bullet, could have doubled him off the base. That would have been huge, obviously, because then Orlando steals second and, as you mentioned, scores the game-winning run. On that. Tucker, he's been hitting. I made that deal of uh, Tucker for Avilas because I was hurting for middle infielder, and, man, I regret that trade. That's that's a bummer. I hate – I mean, everyone does. So I guess I'm stating the obvious, but when you trade a guy and he happens to have his little hot streak pretty much right after you trade him, it's such a bummer. Speaking- Same thing with Valbuena. I've traded two Astros away. To, to address different needs at both times that both guys got on hot streaks. Anybody, anybody else want me to trade away an Astro? I was going to say, do Andy, you, just take a request, hit me up on Twitter. Do you want me to trade an Astro? Chris Carter, if I own, well, I do own him in one league. Maybe I could trade Chris Carter and he'll get hot for you guys. Do you have any Colin McHugh shares? I could still use a big streak. I, from I do have, I do have a Colin McHugh share okay. in, uh, in Teltworks. Let's get that dealt, please. Uh, let me see. Let me go through their lineup here and see if there's, you know, if you could jumpstart. Yeah, oh, God. Preston Tucker's hitting 365, 389, 712 since I traded him. Is that good? Five. Is that good? Uh, maybe five homers, eight runs driven in. Yeah. You're welcome, Andy Barons. See, unfortunately, we have George Springer, so trading him uh, wouldn't benefit me, even though it might bring him off the DL early. I, I, I don't know how your powers work, if they work for injured players as well, but um, that's about the only benefit I could get offensively is if George Springer came back and started dominating. I want to ask you about um, or what you think about somebody who is streaking, you know, almost way better actually than Preston Tucker of late, but it's only six games. A 526 average, a 609 OBP, and an 1158 slug, good for a 1767 OPS. This is a six game streak for somebody, and he plays the middle infield. You know who I'm talking about. I was going to guess Madison Bumgarner, but that, no, I don't. That's, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's Ian Desmond. Woohoo! Um, at four bombs in these in these six games, he's ten for nineteen with the four bombs, uh, six singles, seven ribbies, four walks, too, five strikeouts, even a stolen base, although also a caught stealing, eight runs scored. I mean, he's out of his mind, and obviously it's about darn time, and he won't continue at this obscene pace. But what do you think Ian Desmond does the rest of the year? We've been saying by him. I remember talking to somebody. We talked about it a few, maybe six, seven weeks ago where I told somebody to trade David Ortiz for Ian Desmond or maybe the other way around just see who you know who needs the power. Maybe it was the other way around. A guy had Ian Desmond. But at the same point, the skills are there. You don't know September is the big wild card because we get a lot of crappy pitching and guys can make some ground up in September. Certainly. So I would, again, given what shortstop is, grab him. That's why I had a hard time trying to tr- uh, with anyone really trading um, Desmond this year. It's like, well, what what uh, what do you got going at short that you can afford to trade him? Even though he's playing like crap. I mean, he's awful. Even with this run, he's up to a six thirty nine OPS. Jason, I mean, that's Yay! that's terrible. But 
I think rest of the way, he, he should be solid. Desmond should be solid. There was no reason for him to be this bad. The, I, I got to the point where I started speculating that maybe he was um, hiding injury because of, right. you know because the, the profile wasn't saying that he should be this god-awful. And so I'm like, well, what's going on here? This is just so crazy. Um, let me see where we had him. See, I had oh, I do, him. I do have, oh, go ahead. I, was, I got one more thing before we close up. I was okay. just going to say I had him all the way up at seven, and the composite rankings had him at six. People kind of freaked out on that, but the whole point was back to the who's really that much better. Now, maybe I, I should have been a little bit more aggressive on Justin Turner. I'm kind of turning, uh, seeing the error in my ways with Justin Turner recently, but uh, Ian Desmond, man, might might still be on your wire, maybe not after these four homers in, in a, six games. But he's somebody that if, if if your league mates are trying to sell high on the hot streak and, and just get out from under him, I wouldn't mind buying in. Yeah, good. counting stat wise, you got to buy in and, and just run from there. I think the one the other point I wanted to make is I do have a hard stop uh, for po- folks. I have to get on the airplane. Uh, <laughs> Nate Evaldi. This is one guy I did want to mention earlier. So okay. Nate Evaldi, this is his month by month batting average against. April 341, May 308, June 276, this month 272. Slugging against 478, 444, 381, 272. Folks, that's month-by-month progress for him. He has, I believe, the best, if not the second-best, run support in all of baseball. He does. That's why he has nine wins already. And I posted this month-by-month progress on Twitter, and somebody was like, yeah, but he hasn't gotten through – uh, he hasn't even completed six full innings in July. It, that's not a bad thing. And this is probably why he's doing better. Because this season, the third time through a lineup, they're hitting 362, 440, 415 off him. You know, Career, 326, 384, 457. I don't care if he only faces 18 batters Exactly. Game. If he's going to win nine games, you know, right now he's got a nine-game winning streak. He's, he's not a nine-game winning streak, but he's nine and two. The ERA is, it's tied. The ERA is right now is... Uh, was FIP is 3.52. The ERA is at 4.43, but a lot of that damage came early on. You know, but he's got nine wins. He's got 70. The strikeouts aren't there, despite adding the off-speed pitch. But he's getting better with it. I, I see progress here. And today he struck up Ryan Dozier on a 99 mile an hour fastball to start the game. This, you know, this is a long-term the first at Long-term yeah. boyfriend of mine. Um, yep. You know, and I, I still love Nathan Eovaldi for sure. You know, I'll, I'll wrap up with this because I know you got to go. You saying that that the second that you mentioned how good he's been doing and, and a critique or a whine comes in about what he's not doing, it reminds me of a, a quote that I retweeted this morning about Madden on, on Kyle Schwarber's use. And he said, I, I didn't I don't know the question, but I assume it was something like, why isn't Kyle Schwarber playing every day? And Madden said, why don't you consider the way we've been playing him bleeds into the fact that he's playing so well too? You know, why don't you said cons- that for years here? Said that for years here. Why don't you consider the fact that Eovaldi um, isn't going into the sixth, seventh inning as a reason that he's pitching well? Because right now he doesn't necessarily have the chops to get through that third time, and so they're limiting him. And when you've got that bullpen, that why wouldn't you? You know, they're taking a page from the KC model and the Tampa Bay model because yep. we just mentioned that they're doing it with Ramirez and Carnes, and KC's doing it with their entire rotation right now because it's garbage. That's why they need Cueto. So yeah, I, I agree with you, man. D- don't get focused so much on the fact that he's not going seven innings every time focus on the fact that Nathan Eovaldi's finally taking progress he's still just 25 absolutely adore him long term love that he's having some success Eovaldi's last six starts four wins uh 240 batting average against 297 ERA throwing strikes 65 percent of the time 
I, I'm taking that all day, and I don't care if it's five and dive because I can still get a W with their solid Zero offense. Homers. Zero homers allowed in his last six starts, and he's only allowed one in his last 11. That's that's huge. That's the that's a major component for Ivaldi, and I worried about him going into that park because of some of his homer tendencies. Yes. Uh, at at times, and and again, he's a guy that doesn't have a huge homer per nine rate, but they would always be catastrophic homers, or at least I shouldn't say always, but anecdotally, I felt like they were always those catastrophic three run shots when he was through six scoreless, and all of a sudden it's a it's a baseline quality start. Anyway, Jason, we got to go a little shorter today. You got to get traveling. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully, to talk about a crap ton of trades. Uh, that I'm hoping for another active trade deadline. But after last year's, keep, keep your hopes down because last year was probably like a once-in-a-lifetime sort of excellence. It just might not be that good ever again, but we can hope. Until then, Jason, have safe travels, and we'll talk in a week. Thanks. Later. Bye.